Hey everybody, and welcome to the Everything Went Black podcast. I'd like to thank everyone for listening and um, checking the podcast out. Tonight's episode features Mary Spiro, who is also a fellow podcaster. You might have heard her podcast, Metallicum Musicum. It's kind of a tongue twister, but uh, I actually was a guest on that podcast quite a while ago. And uh, she's also a music writer. Uh, her work has appeared uh, with Heathen Harvest. And also, she's the organizer of Shadowwoods Festival. This is the second year that fest is, um, is in existence, and Tombs is playing. The festival starts in a couple weeks, and we're all looking forward to going down to Maryland and uh, rocking the house. Before we get going, I want to thank everyone who has uh, donated to the Savage Gold GoFundMe. Uh, we're closing in on our goal, but um, thanks a lot for supporting. I really appreciate it. If you guys are into uh, healthy products, please check out the affiliate sponsor on it. You can get hemp protein, uh, all kinds of supplements, exercise equipment, all that sort of stuff. If you need a really cool bag, check out Datsusara. I rep Datsusara hard. I got the battle pack, the fanny pack, and I also have, um, you know, grappling shorts, that sort of stuff. Down with Datsusara, man. They're like one of my favorite, you know, accessory brands. If you're into the podcast, please leave a review and a star rating. That stuff really helps out with the iTunes standings. And um, yeah, I really appreciate that. If you want to follow me on Twitter, at MikeHillHQ. And uh, we also just launched the YouTube channel, which right now is just uh, literally, it's just the podcast episodes with like a fancy card. So you can listen to the podcasts on YouTube, whatever that means. But down the line, I'm hoping to do some video content. Um, something I've really wanted to do for a while. And uh, someday, hopefully soon, that stuff will be realized. Hey, Mary, we're just going to get going. Going to get right into it. All right. All right. So um, Shadowwoods Festival is coming up in a couple weeks. And um, how, many, uh, how many of these have you done so far? This is, will only be the second one. Okay, so the second annual one, you're going to try to do this every year? I'm going to try. We're going to see how it works. The first year, I lost a lot of money, and I'm still kind of reeling from that. So this this one, you know, we're doing better on ticket sales, and we're on track to at least break even, and that'll make it'll make it. You know, it'll make the decision once once we get on the ground. We'll see what happens. But I would like to be able to do it every year. Are you doing this with other people? Like, do you have partners, or are you just undertaking this thing on your own? Well, financially, I'm primarily responsible for it. Um, I have a lot of help in terms of choosing the bands. Uh, I have a production manager that I, you know, a paid production manager who manages the lights and sound and, you know, coordinates the stages and everything. We've got three stages. So that's a, that's something I wouldn't be able to do on my own. My uh, skill set, if you're going to call it anything, is, is hopefully in coordinating and curating a lineup that people will want to see. Um, but I have a lot of, a lot of help. So what, you know, what, what motivated you to do this? I mean, cause I, I, one of the only things I've never done in music is book shows or do anything to do with setting up shows or festivals or any of that sort of stuff. And to me, that stuff seems like a nightmare undertaking. So what, you know, why, why did you start doing this? Yeah, well, that's a good question. Sometimes I ask myself <laughs> that. Um, 
I, I'd have to just back up and say the reason why I booked my first show. Now here's, this is, this is really surprising to a lot of people. Um, I booked my very first show in May of 2014. I had never organized a show of, I mean, not a musical show of any kind. Um, I'd certainly done plenty of event planning with my job and with, you know, I have kids, you know, you get to throw a party and, you know, I've put on a couple weddings, you know, that kind of stuff. But, um, I'd never worked with, uh, working with bands, coordinating schedules, all that stuff, working with venues. I'd never really done that until I decided I had a milestone birthday coming up and I'm like, yeah, nobody's going to throw me a party, so I better do it myself. (laughs) And I, I just decided to, that I, you know, I, I enjoyed going to see live music and I enjoyed certain kind of bands. So I, um, I decided to throw myself a birthday party and it was, it was a smash success. In fact, it was so successful that people were like, Oh, you do this now. And I, prior to that, I think I had told every person I knew that promoted shows, book shows that I would never, ever do that. Um, just because I had heard some of the tales they told about, you know, bands not being able to get into the country because of visas or just the egos or just, you know, the money situation that you can run into or dealing with venues or dealing with just any number of things or dealing with nobody showing up. That's always, you oh, know, yeah, totally. that's always a challenge. I know, I know that really well. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I was like, okay, I guess I'll do this. So uh, I just started doing little, little shows And it turned out that it wasn't too terribly hard. And I kind of made, I made the joke that it was like, because I'm a mom and I have kids, it was sort of like throwing a birthday party, but these kids are a lot older and, you know, they're a lot more, uh, they're a lot more spoiled in a lot of ways. (laughs) So there was a lot more, uh, it was very similar to me in, in just organizing any other kind of event. It didn't, it wasn't foreign territory. There was little, you know, tasks and checkboxes that you had to like go through to make sure things were happening correctly. So, um, that's kind of where it came from. But then I also, um, so that was in 2014. Prior to that, the, the fall before that I had attended Stella Natura, which was a festival in Northern California. And it was the, the second of two, um, music camping festivals that I ever went to that it just inspired me. I I just, I loved, you know, being in a beautiful natural environment and, you know, the, the late night sort of jam sessions that could spring up, um, and having the opportunity to mingle with, you know, people in a much more relaxed atmosphere than in a venue where you can't hear or you can't get away to like, just sort of Sometimes you just want to be a little further away from the bands and just sort of take it in in a global sort of way as opposed to like, you know, being jammed into the front. Now, there is, you know, that visceral experience of being jammed into the front of a venue at at a stage and, you know, sweating or just feeling the music that closely. But sometimes, you know, having that expansive space and also just a beautiful space like where Stella Natura was held in the um, uh, Tahoe National Forest you just can't beat that. I mean, it was great. It was awesome. And it snowed. It was crazy. So uh, I thought, yeah, that would be really cool to do something like that one day. And then after I started, you know, booking little shows, the seeds started to really take hold. And I started thinking it wouldn't be that bad. And and my original vision of, of Shadow Woods was something a lot more 
smaller scale than what it has turned out to be. It was basically just a metal camp out where I found somebody who was willing to, you know, let us come onto their property and set up some bands and, and have a bonfire and call it a day. But people aren't willing to do that. And I guess I don't know a lot of, uh, I don't know a lot of members of the landed gentry who are <laughs> willing to just let me set up stages on their lawn. So, um, I had to start looking for places to rent. And once you get into that realm, oh, yeah. it's money. And right. then if you, okay, if you're going to have to pay money to rent this place, you got to make sure that you draw enough people to pay for that. So you start looking for more and more well-known bands so that you can draw a larger crowd to make, make it even worth it. Yeah, definitely. I could have done it entirely with local bands if I had found someone who was willing to like, you know, have us set it up in their barn. Now this is all down in the Baltimore, uh, Maryland area. Is that is that where you uh, are? You from that area originally, or did you migrate there? No, I'm not from there originally. I mean, I was originally from California, and I moved to uh, Prince George's County, Maryland, when I was smaller. And I did grow up in Maryland, but not in the Baltimore area, more toward D.C. And you know, went to University of Maryland, grew up in, in that area, and then I lived in the Midwest for a while. Um, but Baltimore, I moved to in 2002. And um, I really love this area because it's, well, I love the state of Maryland in general because it's got everything you need. It's got oceans and mountains and cities and rural areas, and it's just very diverse. And it is, it's called America in miniature in a lot of ways it really is. Uh, but the, uh, the fest is about 35 miles, well, no, it's like 35 minutes north of the center of Baltimore. So if you're standing right in the center of Baltimore, like if you're at City Hall and you went 35 minutes north, you would be at the, uh, no, 35 miles. I'm, I'm messing this up. If you if you were in the center of Baltimore and you went 35 miles due north, you would be at the, at the festival site. It takes about 40 minutes to drive there, 40, 45 minutes to drive. That's pretty cool. So it's not, you know, it's, Definitely rural, but it's not um, out in some completely remote area where you need like a pack mule to get to it. You know, it's, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I would love it. I would love it if you if it was more remote. I mean, Stella Natura was a little bit more remote, but you could still hear the highway from yeah. where it was located. Um, and this, you can't hear the highway. You're you're in agricultural land for mm -hmm. miles around. Cool. So you have a multi-stage heavy metal festival out in the woods in a camping site. And um, as far as like power, did you, had to, did you have to get uh, generators or anything like that? Yeah, we have to get two generators. One of the stages, so let me tell you about the venue. The venue itself is a Boys and Girls Club camp. Um, so it's not a campground, but it's a, it's set up for people to come and stay there and for a week or so. And so there's electricity, running water, there's a professional kitchen, you know, it's, it's a nice place. Um, they have one stage there that they built themselves that has enough power to run uh, the type of gear that we use. Uh, and they use that for theater camp or whatever. Um, but the other two stages, one is in the hall uh, and the other one is in the field. We've got generators for last year. We used the electricity that was in the building and we almost browned out a few times. And uh, there were some people cooking in the kitchen and they, uh, the, 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 oven kept cutting out so we decided we weren't going to pull from the building anymore and we're just going to have a, a nice power grid from from a generator outside and then the field stage obviously needs its own power supply 
Which is the stage you you will play. Oh, cool. Right on. So that's going to have to, we have to worry about uh, browning anyone out or anything like that. So that's pretty no, cool. No, no. Right and the other thing, too, I want to emphasize is that, you know, there are a lot of little music festivals where, um, or I wouldn't even call them festivals, just like musical campouts where uh, somebody's got a deck or they've got a, you know, they build a stage with pallet and, you know, hay bales and pallets or, or they or they drive in a, a flatbed trailer or something and they set up the stage on that. This is not that. This is an actual, you'll see when you get there, this is, this is a legit setup. I mean, everything is professional, top notch, the best we could afford. And, and people are shocked. Uh, Last year when Midnight played, those guys got there, they played on Saturday. So they were the closing band on Saturday. And when they got there, their mouths dropped open because they were expecting it to be like a hay bale fest. And they had a legit stage that was three feet or four feet, I guess, up off the ground and a big canopy over it and real, a real sound gear and, and nice, a nice back line. So they, they had something that they weren't expecting to play. And they played for 70 minutes last year, which is unprecedented. They usually play, play for about 30 minutes. Aside from music, you got you got some other stuff going on there. I saw, you know, I looked at the um, schedule, and there's like a pretty full day's worth of events and all this other non-music uh, related stuff. So, what, what what other stuff you got going on there? Well, so we have workshops, and that's a funny thing because we, we get a little uh, we get some um, jokes made about us for having things like yoga. Um, but all these things were not, uh, were not ideas that we generated ourselves. They were ideas generated by attendees. They said, what, couldn't we have this? Or would it be okay if we did a workshop on this other activity? So we've got a number of workshops. For example, we have uh, 90 minutes of yoga every morning from like 10 o'clock to 1130. And you can just drop in and do it. Last year, we had 40 people out there every morning. I don't know how they managed it. You know, most of them were hungover, but uh, 40 people out there on a basketball court, uh, freaking doing the downward dog. So I'm like, more power to you because I'm not doing that. But, you know, like our, our security team went out there too and, you know, stretched every morning with the yoga people. So that was extremely popular. We did a, uh, we have a woman who is a Scandinavian expert and she, uh, she came out and taught a workshop on runes and what they are and what they mean, that was also largely, it, you know, it was very well attended, probably about another 40 people attended that. This year, those were the only two workshops we had last year, but this year we've got a lot more. We've got someone who wants to do something on aromatherapy. We have a coloring session. <laughs> I just added one on uh, guitar maintenance. We've got someone who's a, a luthier who is hmm. going to be attending the fest, and he decided he wanted to do a little basic guitar maintenance workshops. We've got a lot of other things going on. And these are all ones that were suggested by, by attendees. They're not ones we, you know, dictated to the crowd. They're, it's, it's a very grassroots DIY kind of event. I think that's really interesting. So like in the earlier part of, part of the day, if you're, if you're camping out for, what was it, it's three days, right? The entire thing? Yeah, it starts Thursday night, then um, bands all day. So bands Thursday night. Bands all day Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday is just sort of like the you know unlo- off you know unload and 
recovery day. Cool. So you can you can have stuff to do before the the rock and roll starts. And uh, yeah, or even during it. I mean, some of the some of the workshops take take place during the music. The music starts at noon. Hmm. Yeah, I'd be interested in checking out some of the uh, the rune workshops and things like that. That'd be really Mm -hmm. fun. That's that's a pretty awesome idea, man. And I I really hope that um, this thing goes on for many years, man, because it's like a very I kind of like the the direction of it, you know. It's it's not just like, you know, playing like some, you know, outdoor festival where it's like all business, you know, and it's like sponsored by like you know whatever, you know, Monster Energy drink or something yeah. like that. You know, yeah. it's cool. And I think that's that's I, what I think created such an atmosphere of. I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound all lovey-dovey, but it really kind of was. I mean, last year people were just walking around with ridiculous grins on their faces, and it wasn't. It wasn't just because they were like tripping. <laughs> they were really, really happy, and they were just. I don't know. I mean, the camp itself, the physical location, is just very. It's just very relaxing that all the neighbors come. There are people who live around there and we give them free tickets. And so there's a bunch of, you know, middle-aged guys in polo shirts with their little pudgy wives and they're like traipsing around checking out the bands and they're like getting into it. They love it. (laughs) So that's, that was a surprise. Um, I don't know. It's, it's just crazy. I mean, it's just kind of evolved into its own thing and, I mean, I just wanted to create a festival that I myself wanted to attend. Uh, I love going to Maryland Death Fest, and I've been to a lot of other festivals. Like, I went to Martyr Doom, and um, gosh, what did I? Oh, I went to that anti-cosmic one that was held up in Rhode Island recently. And they're all, you know, they're all good. They have good qualities. But this was just sort of like, I just wanted to relax and listen to music and you know, you can pull up a lawn chair. You can. People had hammocks hung from trees and listening to bands. They were, you know, you can bring your own food and cook. We have food vendors too, but you know, we're, we allow you to cook if you use a propane stove. We have big bonfires at night with people just hanging around, drinking, and just being friends. And people bring in board games and you know, just all kinds of pop up things. Somebody started playing basketball after the yoga people were done some people grabbed a basketball and started shooting hoops and then people were like you know uh playing volleyball there's a volleyball you know net so it you it's just fun i mean there's no and there's no you know it's grass it's not you're not standing on a parking lot so there's there's that aspect of it i don't know i think you're gonna really love it yeah i mean i'm looking forward to it a couple weeks away getting everything prepared as far as our set goes and, uh, you know, getting everything well rehearsed. You know, that's another thing too about like festivals that was always frustrating with me is unless it was just in a one venue festival, like how, um, Martyr Doom was, was just in one venue. So you just, you had a band, you took a break, you had a band, you took a break at death fest. You've got bands that overlap each other and you have to choose who you're going to see. But with this, we've got three stages and they alternate. So there's no bands playing at the same time. You can see all of them. There's 41 bands and you can logistically see all 41 bands. 
That's pretty awesome. And they're not like miles apart like they are on, on Death Fest, you know, down on MDF. No. Mm-mm. I mean, it's a little little bit of a walk to the Woodland stage, but it's not that far. And usually we've allowed so much time between sets that people have some of these bands, especially the black metal bands, have very specific ways that they like to dress the stage and they have the luxury of the time to set it up and they have the luxury of the time to have a nice long set. They're not rushed in. They're not rushed out. And I, I, I can anticipate there might be somebody who goes over their time a little bit, but there it's all, the cushions are all built in and the stage people, the sound engineers love this because they can take breaks. <laughs> they can oh, go yeah, lay totally. down in their tent if they have to. They can grab something to eat. Like they're not. It's not like this grueling, grueling day for them either. That's what I always imagined about. You know, I played a few of these festivals that you know. There's like multi-day festivals like here in the states and in Europe, and I imagine the sound engineer having like one hell of like that dude must take like three weeks off after those things are over with, just from like having to deal. Even if the even if the bands bring their own engineer, like the sound guy has to be on hand to help right. out with like, oh well this is you know, this shows up here on the board and we use these channels for this and that. But it's gotta be just like a draining experience to be a sound guy at a festival, you know, for a multi day festival like that. But it sounds like the guy gets, you know, breaks here and there and that's always that I'm sure he appreciates that. Yeah, I mean most most of the stages have between five and six bands per day. So that's it. <laughs> that's all you got to worry about. So um what uh you know what are some of the uh, some of the bands that are playing this year? You know, for those out uh, there. Obviously there's this band called Tombs that I think's pretty good. Oh, um yeah, that's nice. And uh, <laughs> what? I mean that's nice, you know. Glad you enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. Uh Ghost Bath from not from China, but from North Dakota is playing. And I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they had people misled for a while that they were from China, which I found enormously amusing. And so those guys are on Thursday night with, and they're, they are on tour with some, uh, some folks from Calgary called uh, Numenorian. So those, those guys are playing on Thursday night and there's, you know, some local bands, regional bands also playing on uh, Friday, the night that you play, there's, uh, Acid Witch and Temple of Void, both from Michigan, and people are really excited about both of those. Uh, I, uh, my husband plays in a doom metal band, Iron Man, and they did a show with Temple of Void, and they were amazing. So I, I was really happy to have them. And then, of course, Acid Witch has ties to some of our other, uh, some of the other bands that they want people wanted me to book, but I was like, I'm not ready to book that band yet. <laughs> so Acid Witch also shares members with the band Shitfuckers. So maybe that'll be, be something for the future to think about. Uh, who else do we have? You know, Wino is going to be there. I did. I saw that. That's, that's really yeah. cool. But he's doing, um, and he's really excited about it too, because he loves these kind of weird, like bizarre settings and changing things up. And he's playing with this band called Faith and Jane, who are these really young guys who do like, I mean, their own stuff is sort of like stoner rock kind of stuff, but they have got an edge to them that is un- unlike a lot of the other stoner metal or stoner rock bands that you hear out there. And he was just, pra- I saw him at a show a couple of weeks ago and he was just praising them about how rich their personal knowledge of music is like history, the history, like 
jazz and blues and like they knew these bands like they didn't they had done their homework basically and he respected that so that's going to be a really interesting set and then we have that band tenger cavalry have you encountered them yet that name rings a bell but i don't i haven't i'm not familiar with them so tenger cavalry are originally from china and they um they have a couple of american members now but they are uh, mongolian folk metal Ooh, interesting like with the Tuvan throat singing, hmm. traditional instruments. That's going to be really cool. Are they playing the same day we are? Because I'd like to see that. I think they're playing Saturday. I can't remember when anybody's playing. He will tell me, yeah, want me to keep track, but I, I can't remember. I, no, maybe they are playing when you're the day you're playing. Maybe they're playing Friday. I don't know. I can't keep anything straight. <laughs> Honestly, I, I've been dealing with I, it. It really is crazy because I deal with so many different details re- related to this. Every, for everything from backline to organizing the food vendors, everything. It's crazy, and that's why I question myself. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> that sounds that sounds really cool, though. It's like, um, you know, very uh, unusual. You know, it's as unique to have a band like that on like a typical doom black, you know, kind of metal bill, which. Uh, well, it's know. a mixed genre bill. I mean, it's not just doom metal or black metal. It's it's just a lot of different bands. Last year we had a straight up folk band like they just played traditional instruments. There was not nothing metal about them at all. But people loved it like they like, and they stopped and told stories between each song about like what the song was about and where it originated. And people people ate that up. So were there any lessons learned between this year and last year, like as far as like your first uh, foray into festival booking and managing? Uh, did you learn anything from last year that you can apply to this year's festival? Well, what's interesting is I thought this year would be a lot easier and it actually hasn't turned out to be easier Um, we've actually we're actually dealing with bigger bands this year and i think that's proven to be a little bit more of a challenge um i think lessons learned are just you know that you have to start you have to really really hit people over the head with this and i feel like you know i think that's part of the reason why it's a little frustrating for me is because i don't want to be the person that you know, every, every time my friends run into me that I don't want to be that person that's always talking about shadow woods, but I, I, I am because I have to be, um, when you're establishing a new festival, you have to really just keep talking to people. And you think that people hear what you're saying, or you think that people are going to hear about it from their friends or whatever. And they don't, it's just really, really hard. Even in this day and age of social media, you've got to like come up with any means to get the word out about an, a new event like this. And one of the things that happened to us last year that really, I think, where we lost some traction in terms of attendance, and I think we lost a band because of it, was when we our original site last year was in Pennsylvania, and we received opposition from a religious group up there who convinced the town supervisors to tell the property owner that we could have the event, but we couldn't serve alcohol. Like we couldn't even, we couldn't bring in a vendor. We couldn't have BYOB. We could not have alcohol on premises. So that, that fell apart and we had to actually move. So in December, wait, when was it in, in late April of 2015, 
we had to move the ven- you know, we'd already had tickets on sale. Yeah. <laughs> so we had to move our venue from Pennsylvania to this place that I had previously scouted in Maryland. And now it was amazing and fortunate and a miracle that the venue I had previously scouted was even available. But moving the fest was so frustrating because people were like, well, isn't that in Pennsylvania? And I'm like, no, it is not. And, and, and the other thing too is, uh, People form opinions, just like you do with people. People, your your first impression is like what lasts. And so for whatever reason, people decided this was a black metal fest and all the bands were supposed to be black metal. So then there's the whole, there was the whole, um, uh, the black metal elite mentality started coming out and people would look at the lineup and they'd say, well, what kind of black metal fest is this? It's got these bands on it. And it was just like, well, maybe because it's not a black metal only fest, you I know, know? Right? So, so people were trying to like, you know, there was that whole group, there was a whole contingent of people saying that it was, you know, like a poser fest because it didn't have, you know, I don't know, a bunch of war metal bands on it or something. I don't know. Revenge wasn't playing. I have no idea. But there was just that whole mentality. And then, of course, you know, the yoga, people are like, what is that? So I don't know. I, I think we, we've actually created, though, a festival that people really wanted. We filled in a niche for people or a niche. Is that the word? That that was empty. It was We've created something that did not exist. They're, like you said, there's lots of festivals out there that are, that are like sponsored by Monster Energy Drink or, you know, underwritten by who knows who or or ones that are very specific to a specific genre. And, you know, I can get, I understand why people want to go to a a festival that maybe has all, you know, really a bunch of big name bands on it. You know, like the, the, you know, the the big name bands that you, you have to go to see separately. Oh, they're all in one festival. Well, I'll just, you know, pay $300 and go to that. But this is not that fest. This festival is for people to discover new music and the bands on it. A lot of these people don't know about, they would never make it on those festivals. That's like a really cool concept. So if you were um, out there and you live close, you know, say the tri-state area and you wanted to buy a ticket for this festival, is there, do they go to your website or, you know, paperbag.com or how do people buy, buy tickets for this thing? <laughs> um, yeah, you can go to the website, the shadowwoodsmetalfest.com website. There's a link there. There's a link on the Facebook page. Brown Paper Tickets has a link there. I think it's, you know, I think if you just do a Google search, you're going to find it. It comes up. We have a lot of hits. You know, we've had we've had Decibel has talked about us a couple times, you know, bless their hearts. And we've got some good coverage from, um, you know, some other sources. And we'll have people out there. There are going to be some music journalists out there watching to see what happens. So I hope people turn out because what can I say? You know, it's it's my little baby, but you know, I I can do something else. Like I could be using all this money to like re renovate my kitchen. Yeah, you could. <laughs> but does it really need to be renovated at this point? That's the uh, I could go. Well, it does actually. But I could go. Uh, I could pay my daughter's college tuition, or I could go on a cruise. But I I choose to do this because this is my passion, and I feel like sharing that passion with people is fulfilling for me last night i had to i had to look up something on the on the ticketing site for somebody because they were they couldn't remember if they'd bought 
two tickets or one. And I, I looked at the, uh, I looked it up for him. And then I started scrolling through the names of the people who are coming. And I know 75% of the people coming. That's really cool. And then it's not even that they're all local. Some of them are from, we've got people who come from, uh, across the country to come to this festival, but I know them and I, you know, I've either met them at death fest or some, something else, or they were there last year. And it's just, it's becoming like this, this private little club, this reunion of people who all kind of are like-minded. They're willing to, they're willing to listen to a band they haven't heard before. And they're willing to invest their time. You know, they're not, they're not, they're not looking at the lineup and saying, I don't know any of these bands. Why would I want to go to that? They're not looking at it like that. They're like, oh, cool. I bet these are good bands. <laughs> and I, I'm excited about that. So let me ask you a question now, since, uh, you know, this is some kind of sleepaway camp for boys and girls. Has there been any, uh, you know, sort of uh, rumors or legends about, um, you know, the, you know, like a Jason Voorhees type of guy, like, you know, abducting campers overnight or <laughs> hacking people uh, up with knives or anything like that? Well, uh, no, but uh, Maryland does have a cryptid and our cryptid is the goat man. And the legend of the goat man is that it was a, um, uh, an experiment gone wrong at the uh, Bellsville Agricultural Research Center where a man was doing experiments with goat DNA and somehow or another he became goat man. So there are, uh, we had the, we had Fred from Sagicacia design the poster art for the festival and the t-shirt both feature the Maryland goat man. Oh, cool. Also, isn't the Mothman sort of in that area too, or is that West Virginia? Mothman is West Virginia, but there are a lot of weird, you know, cryptid legends all around there. I mean, maybe the New Jersey, maybe the New Jersey devil will be visiting us next year. Actually, um, West Virginia is not too far away for the Mothman to show up. So yeah, we might have three cryptozoological um, happenings and then maybe an alien abduction or two would be cool. Yeah, I can, we can only hope. <laughs> so um, what's up with your podcast? Uh, I'm just too tired. <laughs> I'm just too tired. And plus, I had a I had a partner that I podcasted with, and he and I have just never been. I mean, we both have crazy jobs, and he has like a two hour commute, so we just never have time to do it anymore. Um, plus, I stopped drinking beer. I still drink liquor, but I stopped drinking beer. So that kind of if I drank too much liquor, I would be under the table. So part of that podcast was drinking. And oh, really? I've tried to cut back on that, so it's kind of fallen by the wayside, but. I do have other outlets from my creative writing. Yeah, you uh, you were you done some writing for uh, for Heathen Harvest too, which um, you know is that is that also something still active with you? It is. I mean, like I've 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 been really busy with the festival and haven't turned anything in for a while. I think the last thing I had ran in early August or late July. I can't remember, but yeah, I've I've been doing. I've done a few things for them since last fall and I enjoy that uh that online publication quite a bit because I think they're one of the few online organizations you know musical uh exploration that that covers everything they they cover things that maybe people might find objectionable and they cover things that are main not mainstream but that are uh more 
accessible and they do it in a very fair way. And I think they've gotten some criticism for that, but I, I respect them a lot for just being able to approach every kind of music without any sort of, uh, without any sort of real bias. And they approach it as art, not as, uh, not with, not as politics. What kind of objectionable stuff do they cover there? I mean, they've covered some NSBM bands and just bands that maybe people would find uh, offensive. Like, why would you be writing about this this group? Um, but I, I think it's I think all's fair, you know. Um, I don't believe in any kind of censorship, um, but I, I know that uh, some people would like to shut down people who have differing opinions than they do, and I'm not one of those people. Yeah, it's kind of like a slippery slope with a lot of people, I think. Um, you know, it's, uh, I, I can understand in Europe, if you were in Germany or something, like having a different idea about that kind of stuff. Because I know like when I was, um, when I'm in Europe, I mean, we never, obviously never have any issues about being, you know, Nazis or anything like that. But Germans love talking about like fascism and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh they, you know, they wallow in this sort of guilt over there. And so I can understand them being opposed to, um, you know, NSBM or, or even bands like Death in June or something where people as- associate that particular, you know, like Douglas Pierce with like Nazism and like fascist sort of right. stuff. But uh, I think that you should have like a free forum to express yourself. It's like, and also, honestly, there are definitely... You know, none, none of these bands or artists are, are organizing anyone to like overthrow the government or anything or, you know, you know, detonate dirty bombs anywhere. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> they're just it's just art, basically. And I think that people should have their be able to express themselves however they want. And people could either read it or not read it or it'd take, you know, take listen to that music or not listen to it. And, uh, you know, you can you should have a, a, be able to express your opinion about that, too. But I don't think outlets should be um censored or you know or have some sort of pc uh you know warrior out there to say oh you can't listen you can't check this website anymore because they you know interviewed rob darkin or something like that from graveland you know and it's just stuff's like it's almost like the pc militia has become so liberal that they become like right-wing people in a way by suppressing creativity and self-expression yeah, it's it's fundamentalism in another another way. And I mean, I know there are people who are friends of mine who would not agree with me and they would say, no, you know, you have to crush people who are like that. But my opinion has been that, you know, I'm I'm a journalist. I was trained as a journalist. And so freedom of speech is the core is a core value for me. And I think, you know, if you want to just look at journalism as an example, modern journalism is, is garbage. We don't have modern journalism anymore. We have very few real journalists. And so that's why I think I appreciate Heathen Harvest is because they can look at something journalistically and say, okay, we can look at this this piece of work and say, well, I don't agree with the philosophies behind this this work or I don't agree with the philosophies of the person who created it. I can evaluate it from an artistic standpoint and call it a day. And I think that's that's the fairest thing that you can ever do. You you don't and like you said, you don't have to you can vote with your dollars, for example. You don't have to go to shows or buy records or, you know, buy products from organizations or co- companies or whatever that you just don't support ideologically. But you don't have to, like, try to shut other people down unless they're breaking some sort of law. You don't 
you shouldn't do that. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, it's next thing, you know, that that's one, that's a fundamentalist idea, you know, um, I mean, the whole like over at Charlie Ebdo when those journalists were, you know, killed because of their expressing themselves and this sort of, you know, commentary about Islam. I mean, next thing you know, that's what's going to be happening unless we're really vigilant about what we allow people to say and don't allow people to say. Right. So, well, right on, man. Um, so, and in the same token, I know I just want to say the same token that the, you know, the festival doesn't have any kind of political leaning or ideology or platform. I mean, this, it is put together by a group of people myself at, you know, I'm the sort of the figurehead of it, but there are people who put this together that have all kinds of ideologies and thoughts, but we set them all aside because we're here to, to explore undiscovered music that should be showcased. And that's what we're doing this for. We're not doing it because we're trying to promote any kind of agenda. That sounds like a, like a cool idea. So, hey, man, have you uh, been watching or have you watched uh, Stranger Things? What do you think of that show? Yeah, I have. I've watched like, I watched like three episodes of it. And I started to feel like it was a cross between a Twin Peaks wannabe kind of show and something like Outer Limits, which is, I don't know if anybody remembers that show because I'm like way older than anyone else, but it just seems like, I don't know, I couldn't get into it, but I know a lot of people really are. Yeah, I loved it, man. I thought it was cool. I uh, I enjoy a lot of that sort of stuff, you know. Um, I thought it was pretty cool, especially having grown up like in the late 70s and the 80s. Like that was like, the time I was about the same age as those kids, you know, it was, it was really cool yeah. to see it, you know. I really got into the Fargo TV series. Oh yeah, because it's also Coen Brothers. Yeah, totally. That's um the the two up the two seasons I saw I thought were amazing, and like, there's only two seasons, right? They haven't done a third one yet. Yeah, I've only seen the first season, not the second. Oh one. man, yeah, the first one's killer. The second one's really good too. But uh, I remember people were telling trying to sell me on that, and then. I checked out the first episode and it didn't, it didn't hook me right away. And I kind of, I mean, I bought it on iTunes and, uh, it kind of sat, sat there for a while unwatched and then they're like, Oh no, no, no. You got to check out episode two and three and it'll, it'll, it'll hook you in. And it, uh, it did, man. It, it, um, I watched, you know, I rewatched the first episode, went to the second one. And then next thing I know, I was like running through each episode and, uh, I don't know. What was I thinking, man? You know, what a, what a great story, great acting, like the actors <laughs> yeah, it, in it. Yeah, it is. It was one of the few shows that actually maybe, you know, would startle me or make me jump or just come out of left field. And I would, there's not a lot of TV shows. I can always see where they're going. Yeah. But that one, I was just like, no, that didn't just happen. Oh my God, stop. <laughs> yeah. Billy Bob Thornton was like, was killer in that. And that guy's usually great in every movie I've seen him in. Oh Yeah. Although I can't ever really look at him as anything but bad Santa from, from this, you know, I just can't. <laughs> he's always bad Santa, regardless of what role he plays. Yeah. I keep thinking, the first time I saw him was in Sling Blade. So that, yeah. that's my uh, my sort of go-to Yeah, well, image. the thing is, is that bad Santa superseded my impression of him in Sling Blade, because I'm pretty sure I saw that first, too. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else now is just sort of a version of Bad Santa. 
So, um, is there anything else you want you want to add to our discussion of uh, the forthcoming, um, the upcoming uh, Shadow Woods Festival? Any any tidbits of information people should know out there who haven't bought bought their tickets yet? I would encourage people to buy their tickets. I mean, it is a DIY thing. This is not you know underwritten by anybody but me. <laughs> And, you know, Grimoire, the, there is, Grimoire has contributed some money, so they have definitely helped. Grimoire Records is a is a, uh, a hybrid re- recording and distribution label in Baltimore. So they record everything they distribute. And they're kind of, that's kind of unique for them. And so Phil Zoccolo, uh, who is a co-owner of Grimoire, um, has given, you know, a contribution. And then there's also individual people who have contributed. There's a woman jesse sigmund who is knitted i don't know if you've seen oh. pictures of this online but she's no. knitted these shadow woods branded items and she's selling them and donating por- portion of the proceeds to shadow woods and she's also knitted this enormous uh shawl like a cape kind of shawl that has a tree on it and the shadow woods uh just sw uh, mf at the bottom and she's i think she's we're going to try to auction that off. Cool. Uh, took 520 hours, I think, of 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 work went wow. into that. Um, it's a fantastic piece of work, and and this is this is the other thing too. We didn't talk about the the vendors there. Oh yeah, what vendors all, we got all, there? So Season of Mist will be vending Anthropic Records, Crucial oh, cool. Blast, nice. uh, Grimoire, and I'm trying to think. Was there another record label? I don't think there's another record label. And then we've got like a variety of people who do jewelry and artists who do screen printing or illustrations. We have a tattoo artist there who will be doing special like uh, Shadow Woods Flash and and other things that you might want to request. And these are all, again, very specific types of vendors. They're not uh, it's not like flea market crap. There was somebody who approached me about, you know, having like bootleg uh, CDs and, and <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to have that, you know, take that out to the, like, you know, the Montgomery mini, mini mall or whatever. That, that's some like <laughs> South Jersey shit right there, man. That's like in Chemung or whatever, sat in the, the pines. That's like pine barrens, like dirt market stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we, we don't have anything like that. We have very like high class, handmade, handcrafted jewelry, ju- uh, silversmithing. I mean, beautiful stuff. But all like you know within a price point that you can handle, and uh, Shadow Woods will have merch for sale. We have a hoodie this year, which we didn't have last year, which everybody asked for because it got chilly at night, and uh, T-shirts, and then our art poster, the second in, a, in the, the last year, we had a beautiful art poster also de- designed by Fred. Oh, cool! From education. Yeah, Fred does a lot so of good work. So he's he's done this art again, and uh, yeah, I mean, beautiful stuff. So. You know, we've tried to elevate it a little bit from the uh, the typical, you know, like you said, <laughs> flea flea bag, dirt bag, flea market. Um, That's South Jersey shit. Yeah, you don't want you want to stay away from that stuff. <laughs> Anything around along ninety five, any flea market along ninety five is going to give you exactly that kind of stuff. Yeah, those guys also have like that one or two dude. That's one or two dudes that sell like Nazi shit. Like out of they have like the army surplus stuff, but then they're like. You know, they have like the secret foot locker with like SS daggers and things like that. That's, or, that's... Or those are those are historical items, <laughs> right? Yeah, there's a, there's always those a couple are... of those guys. 
historical collectibles yeah so they're, they're not you're not going to have any of that stuff at uh the vendors at, no okay. oh no we're not going to have anything like that and that's like you know in keeping with i reserve the right to do business with whomever i choose so i'm gonna have vendors that i want to do business with and uh the day that tombs plays i'll be selling uh some of the brand new uh savage gold cold press coffee for uh for people to enjoy so you're going to be selling like cups of it or yeah. like what are you doing no, you're gonna I, make I, it it's gonna, yeah that, that's what you do you make it and i'm gonna put it in a cambro and just sell it to people by the cup cool yeah and well, I'm, I'm also bringing some some uh pounds to some bags of uh beans if people want to buy that too that's like do you do you process cold coffee for cold brew differently than you do for hot brew yeah they're, they're two different things there's no heat involved in cold press so you just it's basically you make a big tea bag out of you know there's like a filter and a strainer and you um you, you ground grind up like five pounds of coffee and uh you put it in this thing that looks like basically a big tea bag and you just let mm -hmm. it sit for 24 hours in the water and then uh then you have cold press coffee that's how they cold press everything you tea cold presses well, that way yeah but i, I mean there's no i meant for the beans themselves or the beans oh, no. are using different kinds of beans or no no the beans use whatever are, coffee well, no, I don't use whatever coffee. I use the the beans that I that are typically um, the beans are the beans that I sell as as uh, Blue Monday, which is they're Peruvian and uh, they're dark roasted, usually dark roast. Or I mean, I'm not saying usually, but like I think it's better when you use dark roast coffee to make cold press, just because it has like a stronger like flavor to it. Mm -hmm. and, um, and that's it, you know. Just what the beans that I use is the Blue Monday beans. That's what. Um, I cold press and that's going to be the savage gold cold press. So, uh, yeah, people, can well, stop I can't wait it. for that because I don't usually during festivals or shows that I'm running, I don't drink a lot of alcohol because I got to pay people money. Yeah. So <laughs> I got to keep my wits about me, but I will be drinking lots of coffee and being awake. Yeah. Well, it's that's, coffee, yeah. coffee or Red Bull. I'm not sure which. Oh, you want to go with coffee, coffee, man. You don't want to take Red Bulls, like fill all these chemicals and like weird stuff. I don't know. I might need some taurine. <laughs> I might need to need to up my intake of taurine. Yeah, I, st I, I stay away from all that stuff, man. It's yeah. Co it's cool to like just get up on coffee for me personally. But I'll have that. Are you going ha to have butter to mix into it though? Or are you going to do No, do the... you can't do that with cold press cuz um you basically just have a lump of butter in like, you know, coffee that's at oh, you know, room temperature. So you can't really Well, do it. couldn't you just blend it up? It doesn't stay blended, man. It's see, you're a scientist, man. You should know about fat emulsification. Oh, I guess that's true. Yeah, you gotta, you have to either emulsify the fat so it goes in the solution, or you have to heat it. You know, so you can. There's actually, um, there's a brand out there that I swear by called Onnit, and they have an emulsified MCT oil that I use in. Uh, you can put it in either cold coffee or hot coffee. You can put it in water. You can put it in tea. And it goes into solution easier, but that's. But if you just took butter, it just it wouldn't really stay in solution if it was cold. Even yeah, that if makes you, sense. Even if you took hot coffee, you put the butter in it, threw it in a blender, as it cooled, those that butter would form these little fat globules, which aren't very appetizing. So. <laughs> well, I look forward to that. Yeah, no, it's gonna be fun. You know, I'm gonna bring like a container. Some cups, you know, sweeteners, all that kind of stuff. So, what, um, what, how many days are you just stay in 
Friday to Saturday? You gonna stay through Saturday, or what are you doing? No, I believe that we're going back uh, Saturday morning, so we'll just be there during the day on Friday and during our set, and probably a little bit in the morning, and then we're gonna roll. Friday goes late. Friday goes late into the evening because after you play, we have bands inside that go late. Yeah, and then we have movies. Oh, cool. Do you guys, what kind of movies are you playing? I don't have any control over that. One of our, or the guy who runs Crucial Blast, Adam Wright, he's going to be bringing movies and he's got a weird collection. He ran it last year and it was so fun. Nice. Like what? What did he play last year? Do you remember? Uh, what is the name of that movie? It was like, I can't remember the names of any of these movies, but one was about, one was like um, a rock band that were controlled by the devil. Oh, Black Rose. Black roses. Yes, it's one. funny how I knew that right off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, that one I knew it was like a simple name, and I can't remember what the other one. Oh no, the other one was had John Travolta in it, and uh, what was that one called? That one had a really odd name too, and it had Jennifer Garner. John Travolta and Jennifer Garner. I think yeah, and it, and it was um, it was not a music themed one. I don't think. Does like anyone get murdered in it, or is there like uh, you know satanic overtones? Or it was definitely satanic. It was definitely satanic. But the 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 Black Rose one was really appropriate because of our situation with the um, the folks in Pennsylvania. The Christian was, right. That was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, next year if you do this again, you should have me curate the movie movie night. I would love to do something like that. Oh, you know, hell yeah! I I'm always see that's the thing is like try this with any other festival. <laughs> You yeah. know, I mean, it's just, we just do what we want. No, that's great, man. I love stuff like that. And, um, and maybe next year I can actually be a vendor. That'd be kind of cool. Cause like I'm doing some vending in a couple other spots this fall. So, uh, so yeah, it'd be nice. Well, we'll have to talk about it. You have to find me an investor. You know, either that or sell a lot more tickets or find me a bigger venue where I can have more people. I don't know what to do. Hey, how how am I suddenly now I'm involved in this like this? All I just want to do is play some movies and sell some coffee, man. That's it. You know. Well, that's involvement. Oh, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I mean, you know, it, it maybe. You know, I mean, I don't I don't have money, but I know, you know, we'll see. Maybe you should hit up some of these labels. You know. Yeah, I think I mean, so having Grimoire involved like they are, I mean, that involves them in the sense that they they get to put whatever bands they want. Like that was their deal. It's like, we can, we can give you any, you know, we want these bands on the fest. So they're going to play. And I like the band. So it's not like I'm being forced to play bands. I don't Sure. Play. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, I think, I think it's just when you have any kind of like, and that's almost like corporate level. Like that's why I've kind of gone with like individual sponsors because, or not sponsors, but individual donors, um, there's on the ticket site, there's even like a little tab where you can select, you know, you can buy your ticket and then you can also just give us an extra 20 bucks or however much you want. Yeah. Like a donation. Thing. You can just make a donation and, and people have done it. And I'm always appalled and stunned that people actually give me more money than if that was even crazy last year. People said you should charge more for this. I'm like, what? Well, how much are the tickets? First of all. So the tickets are 130 for the weekend. And that includes camping. Uh, for $20, you can add a cabin bed because there are four cabins. And in each, they're bunk houses, though. They're not private cabins. So you basically, you, choose, you go the girls' cabin, the boys' cabin, the 
co-ed cabin and then there's one cabin that's reserved just for band members to crash in but or wherever they want to be but um we've got plenty of room so there's like 20 beds in each so there's lots of room there the uh, cabins are highly underutilized because most people want to be in tents yeah um then there's i there's also like what else can you do that's those are the two ticket levels you can buy individual tickets tickets too you can buy just just thursday thursday's like 35 dollars and then individual tickets to friday and saturday are like 65 dollars but you get a ton of bands you get like 18 bands on one day i think you're charging way too little money honestly that's what people tell me i mean honestly um like if you were going to go see like danzig play somewhere for one night you'd be paying like 60 bucks you know what i'm saying so it's like this big festival night thing. It's like all these bands and all this other additional stuff. I mean, that's like, I think, I think to do the whole pass, at least 200 bucks, man. I mean, honestly, I think that that's reasonable to ask people to come down with camping, you know, and all that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, I think you're, I think you're, you're asking a little too, you're not, you're not covering your bases with that, um, that ticket price, honestly. And I mean, I don't want to rain anybody's parade, but you are getting quite a bit, man. You know, I think that it's reasonable to ask for a lot for a little bit more than that. And um, the other thing, too, is, um, you know, at all these uh, sort of crowdfunding um, sites out there, that might be something you might want to check into for next year. You might want to offer like like there's like GoFundMe, which is like straight up donations. And then there's like fund anything, which is like you can set up different, you know, for example, if you donate. Uh, you know, some X amount of dollars or whatever. And, uh, you know, you get like a free limited poster, you know, something. You you offer yeah. things to people. If you donate $1,000, you get to go for free, you know, or something. I don't know, like some something like that, you know. And I mean, I don't know. And I mean, I've thought about the whole crowdsource- crowdfunding thing before. And I feel like selling the tickets really is crowdfunding. Um People buying T-shirts is crowdfunding. So if you think about it, you know, um, I mean, if I made different levels that say, oh, if you pay this much, you get admission. If you pay that much, you get a, a poster with your admission. If you pay a little bit more, you get a hoodie with your admission and a poster and, you know, all that. And if I did it like that, to me, it doesn't seem like that's any different really than selling tickets and posters and individual things. I just don't, I I don't know. The whole crowdfunding thing doesn't set well with me if it's not for like a medical or dire emergency. I just am very, I'm very reluctant to go down that path. Well, I mean, Um, you know, there's people out there that might not even go to the festival that might donate money and it's like. Oh, and, and yeah, there are people who have just given me money who aren't coming to the fest or people who bought tickets and they have no intention of coming. (laughs) So there's all that. And also like our, our, our coordinating team, like we have like 17 people on our uh, planning team. Some of those people just bought tickets. I mean, in any other setting, those people would expect to go for free. These people bought their own tickets. I have band members who bought their own tickets. So it's, it's a, it's an unusual situation. Yeah. Well, that's a suggestion. And I know that a lot of people do stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I know. I mean, and to me, it's almost like that's like a a pre-sale. You know, if you're doing that, if you're in a crowd crowdfund your new album, you it's essentially you're you're doing a pre-sale. Yeah, I mean, I used to be against that idea, but then I was thinking like, these days, is it better to do that 
or to make 12 cents on a dollar on a record expense that's completely not recoupable to a label yet they can you know i mean there's a lot of different ways of looking at that stuff for crowdsourcing stuff i mean i I used to be well why the hell would you need that if you can be on a label or whatever but it's like getting deeper into the business aspects of uh being in a band it's like oh wow we sold this many records and we're still not recouped if you if you were able to raise all the if you and your fans were able to raise all the money you needed to make an album and everyone got their thing that they needed and then you put your record out and like you're seeing actually you're seeing cash from that that's great you know i mean that's like you can go on the road you can pay your your rent when you go out on tour you know it's yeah. it makes things doable you know and especially if you're in the kind of situation where you are are going out there and getting bringing it to the people you know i mean that that has to be funded somehow and with people not buying records and downloading and you know stealing music and stuff like that the record set if you're gonna if you want to oh get a record for free then i don't i don't have any problem asking somebody to donate like 10 bucks to make a record you know what i mean yeah so. no and I, I agree with that i mean in, in that, that situation I don't have any problem with people, you know, kind of going offline, going off label and doing that sort of thing. You know, especially with, oh, well, what about Spotify? What about all these, you know, Mac, you know, Apple Music? It's like, where do you think the major labels went to? Where do you think that now that people aren't buying records, where these, where like these huge labels, where they, where they disappear to? They are funding. That's, that's, you know, all that stuff is major labels. That's another way of exploiting people and not paying them the right amount of money and all that sort of stuff. I mean, no one sees any real money off of that stuff. And, you know, fans out there can think that, Oh, well this is, you know, I don't have to buy anything anymore. I can just pay like $9 and be on Spotify and somehow everything, you know, works out in the end. It doesn't really work out in the end. So, Well, it's just one of those things I haven't, I haven't decided whether it's a good idea or not. Yeah. I mean, we do pre-sales. We do an early bird sale, and we, we get a lot of working capital at the beginning of a cycle of ticket sales to work with. And then the rest of it just sort of comes in, you know, over the course of the months leading up to the fest. So, I don't know. I think we'll be okay. We're doing much better this year than we did last year, for sure. Well, that's good, you know. Has anyone ever, has anyone approached you about sponsoring it at all? Like, I'm not saying like, you know, Monster Energy Drink or anything like that, but some like, you know, some local businesses or whatever, you know, to put up advertising. Um, no, I mean, other than Grimoire, no. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah, that might be something to check into. I think that's what it is, though, is that, uh, you know, it's just a matter of me being new to this sort of thing. And, um, you know, I, all the shows I've done, uh, are, are basically just ones, you know, I did because I enjoyed the bands. And I mean, I, I've had some bigger international bands that I've hosted for shows, but there again, I mean, that was all just me promoting it. It wasn't like someone was co co promoting it or, you know, helping foot the bill for the guarantees these bands were asking for. I, I did it all myself. So this is, this sort of thing is not, I always felt like, you know, if you if you had the right combination of bands and you sold X number of tickets at this price, you should be able to cover your ground. But you also have to like getting people to uh, accept a new festival or especially a metal festival. I mean, we have we we just recently in Baltimore area had a another camping music fest and 
it wasn't a metal festival. It was more like EDM, uh, pop, indie pop type stuff. Right. And they had a couple of, you know, major headliners, but the rest of the bands playing were, were mostly local regional bands. And I think they charged about the same amount and they used us, you know, a camp that similar to what we used. And I have no idea if they broke even or not. I mean, I know a lot of people went, but that was because a lot of people don't like metal, <laughs> you know, and that's just, there's a, it's a, it's a very ex- exclusive small group of people who enjoy what we enjoy. Yeah. You know, I, I think that, um, pretty much anything that's new, is going to operate at a loss for a few years. And that's kind of yeah. how this business goes, you know, it's, and that's why people need investors, you know, that's why. So anyone out there who has like, you know, money to throw away <laughs> or money, <laughs> money to invest, shall I say, I want to rephrase that money to invest. Um, that might be something to check into just because, I mean, even, even the biggest successful thing started off in those first few years where, you know, you got to get people to know what it's all about. You have to, give people the um the confidence that it's not something that's a one time a one and done deal where oh we're gonna do one of these you know it's like you know it's like it takes a while for things to catch on with people and and you know it's uh you know especially something that's new you have to do it for a little while and that's kind of like why um you know people get you know, backers or investors, or they might sell some advertising to somebody, you know, it's just kind of how these things work, you know, but either way, it's cool. I mean, I'm, I think it's going to be a fun time and, you know, we're all looking yeah, well, forward. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to see you and I can't wait to see you play. And it's just going to be, it's going to be magical like it was last year. Yeah. And you know, we're playing some new songs. It'll be fun. Just hope it doesn't rain. Oh shit. <laughs> what happens if it rains? <laughs> If it rains, we'll probably um, move some bands inside and move things around. We'll probably end up having to overlap if that happens, but uh, we at least we've got the indoor space to do it. Cool. Oh, that's great. Well, let's hope it doesn't rain. <laughs> it's supposed to be beautiful. Well, that's good. You know. I checked the farmer's almanac. <laughs> that's a good thing to consult if, yes, if you're playing an outdoor music festival in the fall. Well, it's, is it technically going to be fall on the, the 16th? I think that is like around the first. It's the fall, fall equinox, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. And I, I do it, you know, like if the full moon. I think is the 15th, so it's going to be bright. Nice. That's really cool. Last year, when uh, Falls of Roros was playing, um, it was a little cloudy, but the moon was full, and it was the way what we had the stage we had last year had a big sort of peaked tent that went over it and the the peak of the tent pointed directly at the moon and there were just people who were just freaking out. I mean, they were just, they were crying. (laughs) It it was crazy. (laughs) It was, it was something that I, I mean, I'm, I'm usually like a huggy kind of person. Like I don't mind getting hugs from people, but I was hugged so many times by people last year that I kind of like reached my limit and by Saturday night, I was just like, no, do not touch me. Yeah. <laughs> everybody was drunk and everyone smelled bad. And yeah. <laughs> like, no. All right. Well, uh, I guess I'll be seeing you in, um, you know, in a, few, in a couple of weeks. And once again, you want to give those uh, website addresses and all that sort of stuff for people to get tickets? Yeah, I think the easiest thing to do is for people just to go to www.shadowwoodsmetalfest. And it's like... 
uh, shadow and then woods, two words, and then metalfest.com because that, that'll have lead you to everything. There's a store where you can pre-order t-shirts and you can get tickets. You can see the schedule, all kinds of stuff. Right on. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And, uh, I'll see you. I'll hear, you'll hear me soon and hopefully I'll see you guys soon. So take care.